This is the Picard Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're back with Season 2 of Star Trek Picard, talking about Episode 1, The Stargazer. Welcome back, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers. It's TV Podcast Industries. We're back with Star Trek Picard talking about The Stargazer, the first episode of Season 2. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow Trekkies. I am one of your other hosts, John. Hello, Star Wars. I mean, Trekkies. How are you? Jokes aside, jokes aside, jokes (laughs) aside. Hello, fellow Trekkies. Welcome back. It is. We are here for Season Mm 2. It's here. It's finally kicked off. Uh, And uh, it is an interesting... Kickoff. It really is. It really is. We talked about it on our uh, kind of season, or sorry, our annual wrap up when we were talking about the end of 2021. I kind of made the comment that I'm looking forward to lots of season twos and season threes this year because we've yeah. covered lots of season ones. And I do feel there's a nice shorthand that comes in with the season two. You get the reintroduction of all the characters that you know and love, but you've already got that idea of who they are. So you don't have to spend too much time on them. You can kind of jump into the adventure really quickly. So I always love a season two. Yes, Yes. absolutely, Mon Capitan. (laughs) Thanks, John. (laughs) Always good. Thank you so much for joining us for Star Trek Picard. I know there's hundreds of podcasts out there about Star Trek, so uh, it's really nice of you to spend some time with us uh, for our coverage of Star Trek Picard. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can subscribe to it over at tvpodcastindustries.com. It does have its own feed, the Picard podcast from TV Podcast Industries, so if you want to hear any of your thoughts on Season 1, you can go back there and listen to all of those. We'd love to hear your thoughts, too. You can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with any of your thoughts on any of the episodes. We'll read them out on the next podcast. We are recording a little bit in advance, uh, luckily, uh, thankfully. So we'll hopefully be able to get this out uh, as the show is released on Prime Video and on Paramount Plus in the US. So uh, so hopefully you'll um, enjoy our thoughts about the episode, the first one, then we'll hear your thoughts for the second episode. Yes. Yes. Paramount Plus, the ultimate streaming app that allows you to go to the top of a mountain because that's their logo. Apparently. Yeah. And that was an entire trailer last year at the Super Bowl, wasn't it? That was their, their <laughs> whole thing. Everybody climbing that mountain on yes. Paramount Plus. We will eventually get that in Europe in the future. Um, but there has been, I know, some problems with Paramount Plus because they've been taking some of their content like Star Trek Discovery and moving it off to a channel that most of us can't get over here, unfortunately. <laughs> but, uh, but we do get the ability to watch Star Trek Picard because it's on Prime Video in the UK and Europe, which is cool, uh, just like the first season was. Will we get into our discussion about the first episode of Star Trek Picard? Yes, let's get into our spoiler-filled review. Of season two of Star Trek. Of season two, yes. (laughs) Uh, First up, the episode itself was written by Akiva Goldsman and Terry Matalas. Akiva is one of the show's producers in many of the episodes last season. Uh, Terry Matalas, this is the first episode he's done of Picard, but his his first writing credit was for two episodes of Star Trek Enterprise, so it does have some experience in the world of Star Trek. Great stuff, yeah. Nice to have... uh, Members of the old team back from uh, Enterprise. Absolutely, absolutely. And speaking of members of the old team, the episode was directed by Doug Arniokoski, who directed two episodes of, Star- of Picard Season 1. Uh, he directed Episode 6 and Episode 7. And will be directing Episode 2 of this season as well. 
Always a good thing. Always a good thing. Especially when you can't get a showrunner in to write and direct, at least this way. Um, you're having alumni, if you will. Well, there are four showrunners on the show, and Akiva Goldsman is one of those showrunners. So, uh, so he is involved in the writing for, oh, okay, uh, great. for the overall show as well. So, uh, John, do you want to give us the synopsis for this episode of Starship Picard, The Stargazer? Sure. One and a half years after becoming a synthetic life on Capellius, Admiral Jean-Luc Picard has returned to tending his vines with Laris at Chateau Picard and leading the Starfleet Academy. Aboard the newly refitted Stargazer, Captain Rios and his crew discover a spatial anomaly with a simple message. They want to join the Federation, but only if they can deal directly with Admiral Picard. And excitement ensues. Yes, indeed. (laughs) If you didn't get to join us for Star Trek Picard Season 1, let's quickly go through our structure, uh, how we talk about the episodes. We talk about our top three moments from the episode each. Um, Our biggest moment is our prime directive. Our medium moment is our omega directive. And the other moment that we'll be discussing is a small general order. Uh, We're going to start with our general order, the small moment from the episode that we we recognized. Make it so, number one. Who wants to kick us off with their uh, general order? I think I can. A a little... uh... A little bit of 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 uh, the the vineyard and mm-hmm. uh, Picard and Laris tending the vines. It was kind of yes, beam me up Pinot Noir, basically. <laughs> um, I thought it was really interesting that they were harvesting the grapes with transporters into the sort of hovering sort of collectors mm. um which was quite good and the future of wine production yeah the future of wine production yep. you could do strawberries and raspberries uh-huh. all <laughs> i mean h- how much energy it uses i don't know but even just the the label as well coming onto the bottle yeah um look pretty swanky so yeah. Yeah, I thought this was just a nice little, like, you know, it could just have been people harvesting the, the grapes and instead they, you know, special effects and, mm-hmm. and a bit of thought that, well, you know, in this day and age in the Federation, it would be beam me up, uh, Pinot Noir, I yeah. guess, or Cab Sat, <laughs> Cab Sov, um, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's really, it's really interesting. Is that, you know, and I suppose there's one of those uh, early questions we all had about transporters. How do they really work? How do you move the particles of a person to another place? And I guess it's so clear that it is still the same thing that's transported. So you can use the transporter to move the grapes to where you want them to move to. They're still the same grapes. They're not going to suddenly turn sour because they're transported. But I do wonder if there will be a transporter malfunction in the future, which creates a terrible batch of wine for Chateau Picard. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and, and I guess as well, it's, it's, it's straight as you start uh, episode one of season two. And of course, Chateau Picard being sort of central, at least initially, mm-hmm. in grounding Picard in this whole new series back on Earth. Yeah. And here we have it again, starting off uh, with the, the harvest of, of the wine Absolutely. and, and the, the celebration of that. So, yeah, really good. Synthetic Picard seems very happy in, uh, back, in, back in Chateau Picard. Yes, he does. Yeah. I have so many questions about the transporter of the wine, though, because the whole thing about it is you're basically reconstructing and then re- then constructing again, mm-hmm. or sorry, deconstructing and then reconstructing atoms. Yeah. So theoretically, it's not the same thing. Or is you it destroyed Chris? one and then made it another? So I'm like, yeah, that's a replicator. 
No, 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 because you're destroying it. You're breaking apart as it transports it, and then you reconstruct it. Are you, Chris? On the other side. Should yes. we refer to Vision from WandaVision, uh, trying to understand whether the ship is still the same, same ship if it's been reconstructed or not? Uh, no, <laughs> I think if Picard's going to be using the transporter, I think we can probably put it to bed that it is the same grape that's been transported. Good. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> Let's hope. There you go. Transporter accent, season three of uh, Star Trek Picard. Yes. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> Picard is also a grape. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, do you want to give us your small moment from the episode? Yeah, very, very quick one. Uh, Soji, we do not know how much she'll be involved in this season. I, I assumed a lot, but maybe not, because she, uh, as herself and um, uh, Jurati, are doing di- diplomatic... Uh, pieces of work mm-hmm. as she says she's continued for the last year and a bit going around the the solar system as they have no longer outlawed synthetics mm-hmm. basically doing giving her trying to give herself diplomatic immunity by going around <laughs> and just kind of like hello this party and smooth and etc cetera, etc cetera. so she's leaning into being synthetic yes yeah yeah um with her super hearing Absolutely. And it's kind of out- outreach work, really, is what they're yes. doing to kind of show people that they do belong in the Federation, that they belong as part of the Federation. Uh, I do kind of like that Girardi kind of make a comment that it's kind of like the Matrix, that, that Soji comes along and she just uploads what she needs for a great speech and, and yeah. then goes and makes the speech. Yeah. But uh, it's really interesting. I love Girardi's kind of watching over her, just getting drunk at the bar. <laughs> yeah. I just hope she is involved this season mm. um, because she stays. Yes. And I was wondering, I'm curious, is that a okay, we'll see you again, like, later on, yeah. maybe for, like, a bit of an episode. Um, I have no, I just no idea, because my expectation was they kind of made her OP, uh, overpowered, because she is now uh, a synthetic who, as you said, can just upload stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, it could be difficult when you're kind of like, oh, no, what do we do about time travel? We're stuck in the pot. We're stuck here. We're stuck there. Yeah. And she goes, hold on one second. Let me just upload all of uh, Stephen Hawking's and Albert Einstein's theory of time travel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm an expert now. Um, so I think potentially they kept her there for that reason, but I do. I hope not because I do enjoy her as a character. Yeah, and, and given season one was basically, I, I would say a two-hander between her and uh, and Jean-Luc Picard, that the story was really about the two of them as a central and obviously loads of, of other characters yes. in there. It is definitely noticeable. That by the end of the episode, she's the only main main character from season one that wasn't aboard the ship or wasn't close yeah. by uh, to the uh, to the stargazer uh, yeah. at the end of the episode. So uh, interesting one to uh, to catch. But yeah, it's nice to ha- nice to at least see her out on the diplomatic mission after what they went through to uh, to get um, incorporated into the Federation. Yeah, and, and will one. most likely be the given the reintroduction because otherwise, why would you do it? And it, but it's also just the nod, I guess, to. The fact that Picard is um, a synthetic mm-hmm. as well, yep. which basically wasn't mentioned. I, I really thought there was going to be something very much around that, but it, it's it's interesting that was just it was just Picard and it's moved on yeah. almost. Yeah, there was yeah. just some small comments, I suppose. But it's been a year and a yeah. half. Uh, there was a time jump of a year and a half since the end of the last season, so I guess everybody got that all out of their system in those discussions. I guess so. Over yeah. the last year, uh, my small points for this episode is just I just thought it was really interesting. Elnor, um, the Romulan uh, who joined the uh, the crew last season, being um, brought in as a recruit to Starfleet Academy. Um, the reason why I picked this point out is just because I love that Star Trek always has to be really careful of their wording of things. <laughs> so uh, when Picard's announcing it to the audience at Starfleet Academy, he goes, um, speaking of first steps, 
this is the first full Romulan recruit in Starfleet Academy. Just in case someone's written a half uh, a half Romulan recruit in one of the uh, one of the books or comics in the past, so they've covered themselves there. First full Romulan recruit <laughs> in in Starfleet Academy. Yeah, I, I thought this was really good, though. I'm really glad that that's where they've taken Elnor. Um, that he is now in Starfleet Academy mm-hmm. and effectively graduating here uh, as well. Um, I think. Or yes, it's, yes. yeah, graduating at least to the uh, vocational side of uh, the academy, which is getting experience on um, the Excelsior with, exactly. with Rafi. Yes, yes, moving off of Rafi. I love, I love how they treat the relationship between Rafi and, and Elnor. They're now very much mother and son uh, here. She's, she's very protective of them. Uh, they're both going to be stationed aboard the Excelsior, uh, formerly captained, or at least captained the last time we saw it by, uh, by Hikiro Sulu. Um, that was his, ca- his captaincy. So ooh, I was wondering whether we'd see Sulu on board the, uh, as the captain of the Excelsior at some point of this season. Oh, yeah. Uh, but very interested to see the two of them go off together. I love that we have the same kind of dynamic that we get with Picard and Elnor is a similar dynamic that we see with Kirk and Spock or with uh, with Picard and Data in the past, where it's someone that doesn't really understand the ways of uh, of this world that he's joining, the the uh, the Federation. He doesn't really understand them. And Picard's kind of telling him, look, don't worry about your studies getting affected by, um, by the excitement and adventure you're going to be going on on the spaceship. Just have a little fun. Just relax. Enjoy it. And takes the words from Spock's uh, Spock's biography effectively yeah. to give him some guidance on, on how to deal with the Federation, which I just thought was a nice little touch. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. hopefully we'll see good. a lot more because Elnor was one of our favorite characters from season one. And well, he's good with the blade. Up. He certainly is. Yeah, good, good fighter too. Good fighter. Uh, will we go on to our second point for the episode? Let's do it. Implement the Omega Directive immediately. Our Omega Directive. John, do you want to kick us off with your Omega Directive? Yeah, for me, it was really glad to see Rios back, um, Mm -hmm. but he's not at the helm of La Serena. Uh, He's on the USS Stargazer. Um, and just a nice little tie into it being previously the first command of Jean-Luc Picard Absolutely. back in the day. Although the USS Stargazer is now updated or a, a totally new craft, mm-hmm. uh, which does have uh, Borg technology integrated yeah. into um, its components and its systems. Mm. So um, that that's not going to turn out badly, is it? Um, <laughs> no, so- <laughs> of course not. Ever. Never. <laughs> the thing is like, we'll take our enemy's technology that is mostly machine and integrated with ours. I know. And it'll be fine. Exactly. Be exactly. Yeah. exactly. But um, a, a nice tie back to season one. It was taken yeah. from the Borg, Borg artifact that they were working on in season one. Yeah. So, so it is tying back to what was going on. They did take something good from, <laughs> from the technology that they were uh, studying uh, in season one. Yeah. And also, um, he's got a big fat cigar in his mouth as mm. well. Um, I can't really say I see much smoke, so it might just be he's chewing on the end of it. But uh, I oh. thought that was kind of interesting. He has a lighter. He is given a lighter by his number one, um, by at least one of the Yes, he does. On, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. On the ship. Um, they but, do hand him a lighter, but you're right, it is a smokeless cigar throughout. I do wonder, I know there's restrictions on TV for alcohol use and, and cigarette smoke and, and that kind of stuff. So I wonder, will we ever see smoke coming out of the uh, of the cigar? That he well, has who knows? <laughs> Maybe in some desperate moment, um, the, funny, he, he just yeah. needs to take one last uh, sort of drag on the big fat cigar. But... <laughs> I I also just love you know it, it's where he where they head off to investigate this spatial anomaly and it 
the, the just the whole thing of saying of how to engage you know engage or make it so or you know all this yeah. i i love that they just kind of riffed on that a bit saying you know the weight of expectation given that it was picard's command mm-hmm. um originally on, on the uss stargazer so yeah. i i just like that because it's always one of those difficult moments isn't it it's like what they're going to do when they head off into warp you know mm-hmm. so yeah absolutely they have a nice riff on that in uh, in star trek discovery as well where um where one of the characters takes the captain's seat for the first time and has to work out what they're going to say. I'm trying to keep that spoiler free since we don't cover Discovery over here. Yes. <laughs> but I do like the idea that everybody has to have some kind of phrase. Uh, Rios feels quite different um, in this episode than he did last season. Yeah. Because of all the stuff he was going through, um, his memories being lost about about when he was a member of Starfleet and what happened to him in the past and those all being restored by the end of the season. He's now fully back in Starfleet as a captain of I would say quite a signature ship. The Stargazer yep. would be a very well-known ship within Starfleet. So him getting the captaincy of that is a lot of uh, confidence to to have in Rios. But, yeah, absolutely. But really good to see him here. I like that he's uh, he's on board there. And we also see that Jurati and himself have broken up. They were together at the end of uh, last season, but uh, their relationship not working uh, now. Absolutely um, not. A, a few of the relationships uh, didn't work out in true. the end. Uh, we do have that with Seven of Nine and um, with Rafi as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yes, they They've kind of been flung to the the corners of the galaxy, so to speak. Yeah, I'll use this as a perfect segue mm-hmm. to my moment, uh, and that is that um, love love is lost in the future because no one can make it work with love. Yep, Gerardi and Rios are uh, no more. Mm-hmm. Seven, no more, and Picard doesn't want love, um, which is a really interesting piece. So, like this. He can't love because of his past mm. is kind of what, the way I put the point. Um, so seeing the fantastic Order Brady, um, who we can claim as Irish mm-hmm. and being up on screen and uh, essentially saying after what about 18 something months finding, discovering that she actually is in love with or has feelings for Picard. Mm. Um, after years of working together and her husband just dying. 18 months ago um but essentially she's they make a move and picard says no um and it's something which is one it's an interesting thing we get a flashback to the past of him and his mother um in chateau picard Mm -hmm. and something happened to her yeah something weird so they they set up a really nice intrigue around okay what's going on and what happened to him as a part in his childhood yeah, yeah. i'm assuming we're going to get time jumps around yeah that. it look it looks yeah. traumatic doesn't it she's kind of dragged into the dark um by an invisible doorway force. by something yeah yeah uh, but even just um it, the, the young jean luc says you know will we fight less here as they've moved yeah. in so not the idea that the family life of jean luc picard is maybe not uh, as great as as you would imagine so mm-hmm. thought that was interesting and and i think that's going to piss off a lot of people maybe uh, because yeah. the whole thing was like if i remember correctly and again my memory of picard is my memory of star trek as a whole and i said this in the last season uh-huh. when we kind of covered it i i've watched hundreds of times next generation right. didn't like enterprise love discovery uh loved voyager so I, I just I, I go through them, it's just every net like it's not like it's not like Marvel in the back of my head. Right. It's just not not encyclopedic levels. Yeah. Yeah. But I do remember his whole thing was shtick to a degree was that he was from a family of um initially 
a lineage of explorers. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he mentions this in his speech. His dad wasn't, but he was always kind of given to the opinion, like everything was rosy with him. Like mm-hmm. his, he didn't come, he wasn't a broken <laughs> hero. Yeah. Yeah. To a degree. He wasn't that broke. He was the Kirk. He was the suave captain, but with a bit of French in him. And he was the ladies man, but he didn't need love because he was the explorer. And now we're starting to see, actually, there's a layer of depth here, which mm-hmm. is, yeah, he did this because he was, or what, what we're supposed to assume is some traumatic experience that meant he couldn't love. Maybe. Yeah. He didn't want to love, or there's something there. It's definitely dropped in here, because we have uh, Laris, you know, with the awkward kiss moment, where she does say, you know, I I don't know whether you've been seeking or running, you know, yeah. and it, it, it ties in with with this traumatic flashback uh, of um, of his family and arriving at Chateau Picard. Mm. The other thing I thought was quite good with Laris is, you know, we, we talk about all the humans effectively have um, sort of broken up. Their relationships haven't worked out. Picard has some kind of, you know, uh, something that is holding him back from totally open, opening up. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's him being him, as they say the next day. And as Lara says, I, I can't do awkward. But it was interesting just the Romulan perspective with uh, as her and Jean-Luc are remembering uh, Jabon after him, him dying. She just says, yes, we do mourn uh our our husbands or our partners uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know when they have died but we we don't cling we come back and love even more fiercely we afterwards and i thought that yeah. was again it's just that contrast isn't mm-hmm. it with um jean-luc and um, being more reserved uh really in terms of how uh he does it as he sort of you know as he does sort of pull away from laris as they look like yeah. they're going in for a, a bit of a kiss well, she's not. She won't be because she's leaving him. She's no no longer going to work with him. He then decides to up and leave her without even saying goodbye. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. It's like, it's hang like, on a second. Yesterday, you were about to start a relationship with that woman. Yeah, uh, and today, you just haven't like, even said goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's gone into space. Not even like it's like hello. Yeah. I'm not even with a handwritten note going. Love you. See you later. Yep. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Here's my note. No, it Here's actually my love you. See you later. P. Yeah. With a smiley face, because you know he does smiley faces. I, I have to say, I do love um, Laris's kind of comeback to in the following morning, where she just goes, look, it's awkward now, and I'm way too old for awkward. <laughs> I really, I really yeah, like yeah. that with But she, there is a great relationship between the two of them. It's just kind of uh, in small moments, you know, the, the idea that he's walking around the house trying to look for a particular book, and she knows exactly what he's looking for. Before yeah. he even gives a description, she's already picking it up off the shelf, effectively. So she knows him that well. Yeah. I think the whole thing is they have a relationship, like, i.e. they have a past. Mm-hmm. Like, it's been 20 years plus since he retired, so that she's been with them for tw- him for 20 years a in Shadow Very long Picard. time, yeah. Um, so it is, he's over, uh, he's over a century old. Uh, almost, uh, he's almost, almost, he's pushing a century, yes. yeah. It's like he's ni- 93 or 94 in this yeah. show. Um, but there, there is one other uh, thing about this. This is probably the most often piece um, focused on within the Star Trek uh, Next Generation and the movies is about Picard's regret that he didn't form a relationship. We, we've we seen it in, in the movies. We've seen him um, 
look at his brother's family, the children that his brother brother had, and regret that he never got to that place. So this is definitely a central part of Picard's um, existence. You know, I'm sure when Picard was envisioned as a character, they were just looking for the antithesis of Kirk. They were looking for someone that leads with their brain, not the fists, effectively. Um I don't think they intended to have him as a single character for the entirety of the eight years or the 40 years of history that's there now with with uh, the next generation. I don't think it was ever intended, but it gets to a point when you have your hero character that doesn't have a partner, it gets to a point that suddenly you have to explain that. <laughs> you go, yeah. hang on a second, he's quite old now and there's, he's never had a, a wife and kids or a partner and kids. That, that's never happened. Oh, we better explore that now. So, yeah. uh, so yeah. I like that they're doing it in this way uh, in, in the show. So quick one. Crusher? Wasn't Crusher? Yeah, Beverly. A, like a long-term... Absolutely. I, I'm actually going to bring this up in, uh, in my big point for the episode, because there's another, okay. there's another so big, we'll big discussion about that. But uh, but yes, Beverly Crusher and himself were married and divorced before the start of uh, of Picard season one. Um, they, they did have a relationship. They went off into the sunset together. Uh, and interestingly, he kind of says uh, to um, Laris in this scene, he says, I have loved, but never, but not, not deeply... And she says, no, no, you've loved the unattainable ones. And you're kind of going, was Beverly Crusher unattainable? <laughs> That's what, exactly. That's, I, there was a couple, what if it's like, I'm, I'm like, I'm here to roll with this logic. Yep. You tell me the story you want to tell <laughs> exactly. me. Again, we're like 55 minutes in at this point. Yeah. I'm like. What's he saying about Beverly? Okay, what, I know, yeah, it's I, know like, I know, I know. What about poor Will? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, because he also says the Picard name is no more. The lineage That's is right. dead. Yeah. That's right. So what happened to his brother and the kids? Well, well these kids are dead. If you, question mark. If you don't remember, yeah, it is. Uh, it is uh, detailed what happened to the uh, to his nephews and nieces. Yeah. Okay, grand. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll get into that later. Then. <laughs> but anyway, I just it's interesting. Jean Luc Picard has no heart. He is the he is the uh, scarecrow or the Tin Man trying to find. Well, a new well, quite heart. literally, he doesn't. Yeah. Have well, heart. that's the other yeah. thing. Interestingly enough, it's him exploring this now as a synthetic. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, that's another. Ca- dimension to it i i guess mm-hmm. yeah, speaking of synthetics or x synthetics derek <laughs> do you have a point i'd never call seven of nine a six synthetic chris she's an xb <sighs> an x borg former borg uh but my omega directive my uh my medium-sized point for the episode of seven of nine still fighting with the fenders rangers uh you mentioned earlier on john about herself and rafi uh, and their relationship we literally just saw a hand touch at the end of uh of season one it is kind of broadened out a bit more here in the conversation between rafi and, and picard that she wants more she wants a proper relationship with seven but seven is so hell-bent on going out and rescuing anybody that needs to be rescued that she's off out in space leaving uh rafi to continue her career in starfleet so um so while the relationship hasn't particularly broken up what i like about that kind of description is rafi kind of going well i'm not going to be the a-hole stand in the way of someone being a hero and going out in the universe to save people um so uh so it's kind of well i guess you can go out there and we'll hook back up when we meet back up kind of thing is is where it seems to be left um but she has taken the la serena um so seven is running the la serena along with the uh, holograms that we saw from uh, from season one, the holograms connected to Rios. Um, the one that she calls out is Emmett, who was the engineer from, yes. uh, from season one. But there is a line that she says that all of the holograms have been merged together now. There was four additional holograms, I believe. Oh, I should I should remember this because this is one of our um, our ten forward pub quiz questions from season one was how many uh, holograms were. I think it was four or five. But she makes a quick mention that. All of them have emerged together. So while Emmett, Emmett speaks in uh, his in, in native Spanish, um, 
he does still have the memories of the doctor who was uh, who was doing the psychological profiles on the ship effectively so um so that's quite interesting that he has all of them merged together into one character yeah he's a super duper hologram he at is. the moment he, 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 he can do everything engineering medical um you name it yeah. uh he does it all now that they've all been merged together yeah um which i'm glad that they've kept emmis as well and uh, that's here crazy. for sure i love the coolness yeah. of him when he's when he's the kind of soft light hologram uh, being attacked and he's just like again smoking his cigar smoke the cigar uh, while being attacked and then it just quickly it's turn off all safety protocols and it becomes hard light and can uh, can fight instantly yeah. i love those i love those that was pretty cool yeah. and the other thing as well we get with this brief interaction of um uh the 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 three um people who are trying to uh, take the medical supplies mm-hmm. that are for the the fenris rangers is you know they are actively hostile to Seven of Nine around yeah. the Borg uh, implants that she has. Yeah. And this is a, carried through a little bit as well when once she's on the Stargazer uh, as she comes to look at this or sees they, I think they're in that sector where the anomaly is. Yeah, there. And when she comes on board uh, along with Admiral Picard, there, there is that moment where she feels that tensions are rising because of her um borg uh attachments that, yeah. that she's got so, so you hear the two attackers kind shout of out going that that she's an anomaly that they that, yeah. that she is uh an ex-borg so she doesn't deserve to live effectively you know you hear that from her but i love her interpretation of that scene because that is seven's interpretation it's she's walking side by side with admiral picard on the stargazer and everybody's uh pulling off to the sides out of his way to give him and show him respect and she's looking at it going they're also being critical of me they're also looking at me really ba- really badly yeah this is why she spends time on the la serena out in spaces because she doesn't feel like she can be around humans because she's always treated as the other as the different one so uh so she's crewed her ship with just the hologram she has no flesh and blood crew uh aboard the ship it's no. just uh it's just emmet um, and you're right, it is. Uh, Emmett says to her right at the beginning, there's something outside you should see while she's in the middle of battle. <laughs> and there's something outside of this massive anomaly that that's, uh, effectively draws the entire entire view of the Federation. But she's kind of going, I have other important things to deal with here. So, yeah, she's in the same <laughs> sector, which I like. Uh, but no, I like that that's continued. Um, she hasn't rejoined Starfleet. She's still uh, in that position on the Fenris Rangers, and she has got less around her. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. And I like Rias's reaction to uh, what she's done to the ship. Yeah. <laughs> the adjustment she's made and the uh, obvious many many battles that she's been in as well. Uh, it doesn't also like color change. She had some red. I think she did. She had some go faster strips. <laughs> some as you do when you get a second hand car, you know. Yeah, exactly. Your first second hand yeah. car. <laughs> I I'm gonna actually kind of admit I missed the comment of uh, the merging. Mm. Um. So I it all makes more sense now. There you go. Yeah. But I was like. Oh. Yeah, I think, I think the line that, uh, Seven says is I wish we could turn off, uh, your ability to analyze, um, all the situations from the doctor, effectively, the doctor. Yeah, yeah. So, Cause yeah. I just, I just, I thought it was just a, I, I, I don't know. I don't even know what I thought it was. I was just like, oh, it's another hologram. Cool. Okay. He's being a bit weird. Cool. All right. I'm down. Yeah. Like <laughs> this. Let's see. I, I dig in my head was like, well, the other hologram is going to come out in a second. Oh, it's like, well, maybe she hasn't turned them on. There you go. Uh, there you go. There you go. I, it's, there you also, it's also a really interesting touch for a show that is based around everybody having translators in their head to translate all languages in the universe or most languages in the galaxy can be yeah. translated. It's an interesting touch to keep Emmett speaking in uh, in Spanish, isn't it? Yeah, I liked. I, I, it's good. Yeah, 
Yeah, thought it was thought it was nice. Thought it was nice. Let's get on to our major moment from the episode. We must face the ramifications of the Prime Directive. John, I think you've got the massive moment from the episode, or one of the massive moments. Well, from the one of them, yes, yeah, it is the Prime Directive, but mm-hmm. it is my big moment. Is just that fantastic. Um, the arrival of the Borg ship through the anomaly, mm-hmm. but importantly, the uh, transportation of the Borg Queen to uh, deal with Picard um, and to effectively, or what we think. I mean, it's still quite confusing to me, but it, it the intention seems from the message that's come through the anomaly is that, first of all, they're saying help us Picard Mm -hmm. and then secondly that they're looking to join the Federation Uh, Mm -hmm. they want to join up but what we see is that there's that huge suspicion exactly it's been uh, signposted by seven of nine and so all the shields go up everyone's on alert <laughs> and despite the shields up the borg are able to penetrate those shields to transport the queen uh the borg queen onto the stargazer uh who will um parlay effectively and, and meet with with picard and i i just thought this was really good because She's both absolutely frightening. You know, she immediately, um, as she comes on, she says, um, I, you know, basically I come in peace, but, but before that, we, um, we require power mm. and chucks her sort of, uh, octopus bionic octopus bits into the computers it did look a little duck arc, didn't yeah it, it really yeah. did starts taking um and uh, assimilating the ship as Jurati calls it um they all start firing she's got this fantastic shield and also she doesn't look like the bull queen we saw yeah. uh from the movie um the great kind of helmet on her with all the the wheels turning i thought that was a real cool shot oh yeah. she also has a fantastic sort of defense mechanism where she can just fire out the phaser bolts that can shoot in multiple directions and again you think she's killing the mm. security team and the crew um aboard the bridge uh, and then seven of nine saying she's just stunning them but it's still it's both are they coming in peace why do they require power what does that mean yeah why is why are they being hostile and coming in peace so it, it it's really kind of um you know, you can understand why Rios is, you know, shields up, fire on her and, and all this. You know, there's the whole conversation beforehand uh, on in his ready room where effectively they're discussing about whether the Borg is a friend or a foe. What mm-hmm. this could mean that they, the Borg could be the, the Federation's greatest ally uh, if they accept them or is this if they no longer have the power uh, and the numbers that it's it, it's trying to attack their their foe in in, t- in the federation mm-hmm. through deception and um there's a great line from rios really liked it it says we're the tip of the spear and you're the ranking officer to mm. to picard and it says with the devil calling your name and then you get the queen uh, arriving and just this chaos happening where picard has to um set the self-destruct uh sequence well, yes. um as she's taking more and more or assimilating more and more of both the stargazer but using it as a hub because of this borg technology so you're just like 
uh-oh, and then you have the massive explosion, um, which uh, will turns to white screen, and then we move on. But I just loved this whole uh, sequence. It felt really tense, yeah. really confusing in terms of the intentions of the book. And because we saw it in two different ways. We saw it at the opening of the episode yeah. um, without some of the context in it, and then at the end of the episode with all the context, everything going on. I think... It feels like this is supposed to be confusing. You're, you're totally right to question the intentions of the Borg here. Um, she does say, as you say, the Borg Queen says, I'm here for peace, but first power. And you can take that two ways. Is she here to take yeah. over the entirety of Starfleet or is she going to use it differently? Why did she call Picard and Picard alone? The last time they met, Picard stood down didn't eradicate the Borg. That was a decision he made. He did not destroy the Borg when he had an opportunity to do so. He let go of his past, his experience as Locutus of Borg. He he stepped back from it and the anger that he felt. So are they using him thinking, well, actually, Picard will understand. Picard will give us an opportunity to speak here. Um, also, I, I don't know whether this means anything at all, but we've seen various shapes of the Borg ship before this time Borg ship coming as a cross a kind of a penitent symbol it, it, yeah that's it true could be we've seen cubes we've seen spheres before but we haven't seen a ship like this before um we also haven't mentioned throughout the episode but the opening titles have changed and last season the opening titles uh indicated what was going on in the entire season it was full of flowers and, and full of um uh, full of things going on that were developed across the season the flowers being the big uh battle tools at the end yes, of the season yeah. so at the start of uh, this, the credits in this episode, we have got the Borg ship forming part of it. They have, unfortunately, absolutely destroyed one of the best theme tunes uh, in in in, uh, in all of Star Trek history. I love the Picard theme tune, but they've turned it really dark. I know, it's great. Two. It looks completely different. But I guess that's the theme of the season, right? So, of course, they're going to change it up for season two. But I do love the old Picard theme. I was singing it. Uh, over and over again afterwards. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, well, and also the other side of this, which is kind of intriguing, is that before the auto-destruct sequence uh, gets to zero, mm -hmm. the Borg Queen looks at Picard uh, yep. and recounts the words of his mother that he uses in his speech at Starfleet Academy, which is, which is look up uh, at the sky, mm -hmm. you know, and, and see the stars and and all of that. So is the Borg Queen his mother? Well, that would be really, really interesting. Maybe. <laughs> and again, it's this spatial anomaly. Is it a spatial temporal anomaly? Is it something traveling through time as much as jumping through space? Space and time. Exactly. I have so many questions about the Borg Queen. Mm. Yeah, I'm just more just like, is there now more than one? Mm. Like the whole thing, I thought there was always just one. That's right. But yeah. is there? Is this Queen 2.0? Like well, she's giving herself an upgrade, or the fact that we don't see her? Um, exactly. Does, yeah. I don't think that's the Queen. Yeah. It I, I think no, I think it's I think it is the Borg Queen. It is identified by the, the Borg transmission saying we're sending the Queen over, but she does look very different than we've seen hmm. in the past. We've we've seen a very specific version of the Borg Queen every time and, and yeah. you're right. It's I suppose it manifests itself in various locations, but there is just one central queen of the hive, effectively. So yeah. um so it is interesting, but you're right, again, Jurati is questioning what's going on. Jurati is the one putting it forward that they're breaking into the systems and that they're using the Borg uh the Borg uh, technology within the Stargazer to um, get onto all the other ships and take control of them all. And you're wondering whether just Jurati's jumping to conclusions because these are the Borg, 
or whether she's really seeing exactly what they're doing. So uh, definitely, this is a big story point yeah. for the rest of the season. We, you're not supposed to know at the end of the episode what the intentions of them are. But if this continued, um, without what happens afterwards, then it actually would have ended right here because, uh, as you say, the self-destruct uh, was, <laughs> See, was Season there. two, episode one, the end. Now yeah. we're on to season three. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it would be, uh, I guess, it would have to be named something different because Picard is right at the centre of that explosion. So, uh, Certainly, yeah. Uh, but yeah, great, um, I think, having the Borg and the Borg Queen uh, always good. And just... You know, continuing from the, the 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 first season as well, with the Borg being central uh, in that as much as with yeah. the Romulans. So yeah, yeah really, really enjoyed like, it. There was such a big story point in, in Star Trek: The Next Generation. The introduction of the Borg was really early on. It was something introduced um, to them as main villains. They eventually took over Picard. He became part of the Borg. So they are such a central villain for. Uh, yeah. for next generation for Picard particularly that it's great to have them in here uh, in in the show here beyond that they they are if i'm kind of reading my story right uh-huh. i.e. discovery there's an, like they're in discovery or supposedly you could read that they are in discovery as well in the previous season hmm. i'm not saying the spoiler there's there's a there's an there's a thing in there that you think might be the proto Yes. Borg. That's all I'll say. Um, but like, they're everywhere. Like, they, they, they are the central. You talked about how Kirk, uh, Kirk and Picard are the antithesis of each other to a degree, right? Here you have the antithesis of the bad guys. They are literally a swarm, singular minded. Like, there's no emotion. There's no, they are like logical, pure logic. Mm. They want to dominate based on logic not based on fear or power or control it's yeah it is literally that and it's eradicating the individuality of all species whereas starfleet is about incorporating the individuality of all species into their system so that they can Mm. uh they can work together whereas the borg is if we remove all that then we all work as one yeah yes exactly and i I think it's why i like them Mm -hmm. but at the same point i'm like you got to tell me a different story and we'll get into that when we kind of wrap up. Yep. Um, and they were also massive villains for Star Trek Voyager as well. So um, they were yeah. very heavily incorporated in there. So it'll be it'll be interesting if uh, how they tell the story of the Borg Queen in, and the Borg in this season. They're all they've almost been eradicated from the galaxy as we saw in season one. So uh, interested to see will they become will they come back up? Are they here to join the Federation? How interesting would that be? Yeah, exactly. Can you but trust like them? I said, yeah, well, they, that's the thing. I just need I need a different story. I just need don't need Lucius two point now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will see. And I think that's the interesting thing, which I'll take in my next point is the explosion happens. That is huge because essentially what you're getting is, yeah, I jokingly said, okay, that's the end of the season because it could have been. It could have been. Like, it, it's an interesting, fun bit. Like, you could have just, surprise, we did one episode, that's it. Because <laughs> um, no one would expect it. Oh, they certainly would, especially because season three is already filming. So <laughs> Exactly. Well, so the interesting part I found was we get back to Shadow Picard. There's some weird, uh, uh, essentially synthetic android yes. um, kind of being his new uh, servant, doesn't know who Dolores is. And then we meet a certain... Uh, quizzical 
guest <laughs> uh, just just quickly uh just to make the comment about it the the synthetic that is serving picard was, is the type of synthetic that we saw right back in episode one of picard season one so uh, oh, okay so those Perfect. are the synthetics that uh, effectively caused synthetics to be um outlawed uh, around the oh, universe right. so so really interesting to see them still operating here uh with Picard. Yeah. did you notice the other quick touch that you're in somewhere new uh Picard's badge looks really different yes. uh, from the uh, from the badge he was handed uh, when he went out in this mission. Much uh, more bombastic. It looks very different. Yes. Yeah. Are we in the ultimate timeline? Was it the 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 ultimate? The ultimate. Um. The mirror universe. Mm, yes. Very is it, are we it back like there again? It looks like it, doesn't it? Yeah. There, yeah. there is quite a big uh, quite a big portrait on the wall of uh, yes. of Picard that looks very similar to his mirror universe counterpart. Yes. So this is the. This not be around the bush. Q. Yes, Q yes, he's back. Yes, John the And uh, this is the one. So I loved. They showed Q as he we saw him at the in starting next generation. Mm-hmm. Quite good de aging. Really didn't good. look too bad. And yeah. I mine was quite pixelated. And I rewatched it again just based on where the way I was watching it, it was like I bumped it up to ten eighty and I was like, oh no, no, they did they did good with this. Yeah, it's like Robert Downey Jr. level because it was split second. But then they age him up, and I'm like, cool. So this is where I need to bow down before my brethren <laughs> and my, into the in your Star Trek knowledge. I I've watched Star Trek, I watched Enterprise, I watched other sorry non Enterprise, uh, the Next Generation, etc. Mm-hmm. etc. I don't really talk. Q was always a fun character. Yeah. I kind of remember the ending, but as I said, it's not top of my head. Mm. So the trial never ends. Yes, his line cool. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> what does it mean? What does it mean? Exactly. Yeah. Because I know. The significance is big yeah. because the way they deliver it with the grandioso yeah. kind of delivery. But, huh? Right. Well, <laughs> Please enlighten me. I'll break it down as best I can. And I know there yeah. are many, many Star Trek fans out there. So correct me if I'm wrong. Of course, please send your emails to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Um, but effectively, Q has been sitting in judgment over the human race and using Picard as his emissary and representative of the human race. He tries to test him constantly to see what humans would do in certain situations. And he has, in the past, sat as judge. He's literally sat in a judge's chair with um, Picard representing as the defendant in a court case. Yes. This happens multiple times. I think right back to the first episode, Encounter at Firepoint, our introduction of Q is that he is looking at these people that are exploring the galaxy going, you're not even ready for this. You shouldn't have humans out in space this far. You're not worth it. You're not worthy of this. And multiple appearances after that throughout the seven seasons of, of Next Generation. But right to the end, um, the final uh, episode, the final two episodes, um, All Good Things, uh, part one and two, where he takes Picard in a journey throughout time, his own past, future, and uh, and present, to test him again to put him on trial again so what he's saying here is i'm still monitoring you i'm still testing you i still don't believe the human race are fit for the position they have been in uh, in the world why are you so central effectively so q is massively powerful absolutely insanely powerful yeah. he effectively and his species could if they wanted to or at least it's been said that they could snap their fingers and eradicate humanity from existence. So that's the kind of it's pressure. It's almost godlike. Yes, absolutely. But that's the kind of pressure that is on Picard to display why humanity should exist is because Q keeps going to him, if you fail the trial, snap, you're all gone. 
Um, so uh, so that's that's why Q's so interesting. But he's also hilarious on screen. I absolutely love John Delancey with um, yeah. Patrick Stewart. The two of them have just this great rapport, even in this moment. I love that we have the repeated line of Mon Capitan to Jean-Luc Picard, just yeah. a, a little reference to him being French again. Definitely. And I mean, ultimately, you know, very intriguing. What does he mean? The very end of the road not taken <sighs> when Picard pushes him to where is he um you know yes it's chateau picard but we've got the hexagons in the sky the solar uh reflectors the you know yes it's the same but different in terms of the portrait and all that so you know again it's it's also q's ability to talk in in the riddles that picard has to figure out um so yeah this is so good seeing these two back on screen there you go. Yeah. Yes. Does that does that Thank kind you. of explain? That does. It? Yeah. it does. I just kind of it, it's, it's kind of, they did a Netflix on it, which is they left this huge cliffhanger, and I'm like, cool. <laughs> Could have used with like thirty seconds more. Ah, no, just, no, no. Just if like you, if you had your questions answered, you wouldn't come back for episode two, Chris. Oh, 100% I would. <laughs> but that's for different reasons. Yes, I'm making you uh, podcast about it. No, no, no. Yes, exactly. It didn't take much <laughs> Aren't we lucky that we do get episode two uh, next week, though? No no major waiting. This wasn't the end of season cliffhanger, which is cool. No. Yeah. But yeah, look, so that that was my major point, which is just kind of like, huh? But I'm glad for the explanation. Thank you. There you go. But great to have Q. Yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what happened. I think, are we all kind of... On the same side here, that this is probably Mirror Universe Picard or Mirror. It Universe. feels like it. Yeah. No. So I think it's um, essentially because it's Borg and there's time and temporal and the thing. My assumption is it's not Mirror. It's an alternate timeline. Okay. Where it's as you said, the end of the journey not traveled or less traveled. Essentially. So essentially, you know, there's this whole thing about. Um, yeah. certain alternate universes are essentially choice A or choice B. Yeah. The universe we're in is choice A, uh, but choice B is, if I did, is a different universe. Yeah. Yeah. Starfleet being something. Starfleet not happening. Or Picard's dad becoming, not going into becoming a chateau mm-hmm. owner uh, or a vineyard owner and becoming an explorer like his dad. Like something, it's that tweak and change. Yeah. That essentially is the, that has led to this horrible. I think you're right as well with the timeline side because, you know, there's, there's the reference, um, of, of time yeah. by, by Picard at the Academy where it, it's not space is the final frontier, but t- increasingly time yeah. is. And mm. the notion that time provides many opportunities, but very rarely second chances. So, um, yeah, I, I guess, yeah. So it may not be that mirror universe, but it could be the same universe. So, okay. Yeah. With a different same universe, different time, but the board queen that we see at the beginning or the end, the first episode, this <laughs> board queen we just saw right. is essentially the board queen from this other timeline essentially come through and she needs power because they've just traveled through time Maybe. Um, and Picard is back in that other time as well or helped or met her at that other time essentially and he fu- pushed her forward to go save to join he managed to convince her to join Starfleet to be good right. and join Starfleet So and then she went through time and etc so I think it is going to be a timey-wimey kind of Doctor Who-esque 
kind of fun and games where we're jumping a lot or there's going to be at least, oh, we're back in 2022. Oh, we're back in uh, 1800s. Oh, we're now in first contact again. Oh, we're Maybe. now black, black, like just jumping a bit so that it's the, as you said, it's what was the end of the enterprise or the end of um, Next Generation that called All Good Things? All Good Things, yeah. Similar to that, mm. but in different. Right. I think it's that, but different. And just to bring on board some of our fellow Trekkies and Trekkers who may not be uh, as uh, aware of what the Mirror Universe is, just really specifically, I suppose, to talk about why it, it's so exciting. Mirror Universes are so exciting in Star Trek. Um, what Chris is talking about there is kind of the Marvel what if. Um, you have a branching timeline and uh, one branch of it goes goes one way and one branch of it goes the other. Yeah. The Mirror Universe is very specifically, it's the exact opposite of the universe that we have spent all of our time in with these characters. So what you see is really villainous versions of all of your best love characters so uh, it's the old joke of uh, of the mirror universe spock has the has the goatee beard to denote that he's a bad guy not good yeah. guy so, yes uh, so it's, it's so seeing a mirror universe of this uh, of picard is something that would be really interesting to me if we had a real dark timeline of of picard so uh, yeah. so that would be interesting to see i just don't think they'll do mirror i don't think they can go the mirror because it's been used in so many other shows but that's i think a, they'll do all thing I know, I know, and I agree. It's just been used recently in Discovery. It absolutely has, yeah, yeah. But like, but it, it was lot. used in uh, DS9 and uh, Star Trek: Next Generation about five episodes apart. Both shows uh, used the Mirror Universe about five or six episodes apart. So uh, when both of those were airing at the same time, so entirely possible. But you never know. Sure, you never know. We'll sure. see you in episode two. Uh, great to have Q back, though. Um, and my big point for the episode is kind of the only thing left to discuss <laughs> about the episode. Uh, it started off as a big point, but it's not really that massive a point because we've talked about a lot of it already. But we should give a bit of reverence for the return of Whoopi Goldberg to the Star Trek universe. Uh, Guinan, in number 10, Forward Avenue. Finally, our pub quiz makes sense again, John. Yes. The, the, <laughs> the, 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 well, the, the, the bar is simply denoted by the number 10 mm -hmm. in Forward Avenue. So really good. A historical area of San Francisco, exactly. Uh, exactly. I guess. So the, uh, really good, yeah. The pub or the bar aboard uh, the, the Enterprise was... Ten forward, so yes. I like the little nice little touches. Just it's just small touches, but good to see Whoopi Goldberg back here. Uses a similar explanation to Q about uh, wanted to make sure that people recognise that she is similar to them because humans uh, don't tend to like people that don't age around them. So she's ageing appropriately, uh, which I thought was thought was quite good. Also, a good conversation between the two of them over some hooch because uh, because Picard is not there to visit just an old friend. He wants a bit of advice about his uh, about his love life. We talked about a little bit about that earlier on, uh, Chris. You were mentioning it. Um, but Guinan's advice has always been really important uh, to Picard. He, she really understands him. She really understands his motivations and she can get through to him. Guinan mentions here that they have gone through some of the most interesting diplomatic moments in his career where yeah. she's given him guidance. They've jumped across space and time. So uh, we saw that in Star Trek Generations that, um, that they've done so many things together that they are compatriots and he's always looking for her opinion and her help differently to Deanna Troy yeah. um, who can see inside you and interpret your emotions she is a great listener who understands him really well and is able to say very direct things to him um, just in contrast if you think about the conversation he had with Laris Laris is asking him general questions and going oh am I getting too personal with you because he has got this strong shell around him Jean-Luc, yes. to most people around him, they feel that he is commander first, 
not a human, effectively. Yeah. Whereas she can penetrate it instantly. She knows exactly who she's talking to. And I absolutely love her kind of final point on it before she moves on and just says, you're just here to get drunk with a friend, right? Uh, but her final point on it to him is, it's not that you don't have enough time left to find love. Time is not your issue. Your issue is you and always has been you. You're standing in your own way. Yeah. So love for a day is better than no love in your entire lifetime is fact- effectively what you say. Yeah. And that, uh, she, you know, as you say, she comes out and says it. She says, um, you know, the only thing you're afraid to explore is in your heart. Mm-hmm. And the other is that the answers are not in the stars and never have been. You yeah. know, so she's really direct with him. She knows, um, it, it's not to do, he uses command and, uh, duty and going boldly, yeah. um, as these fronts. And I guess it's to do with that flashback that we see, uh, with, um, young Jean-Luc Picard mm-hmm. with his mother, uh, and maybe the traumatic events or the family events. Yeah, um, exactly. That, you know, it could in fact be he, worries he would be like his father if you interpret you know will we fight less here and that somehow their their family uh was was troubled in terms of uh you know the relationship so who knows um it but again yeah it's great to see Guinan um and have her back and have those two sitting down Mm -hmm. uh, over a sororian brandy Uh, there you go there you go john so that's obviously not our poker question uh what's the (laughs) no no it really isn't uh, made of um yes no it it is a great character to see uh back on the show and i'm i'm uh, hoping we'll get to see kind again uh in the future of the of the series because um i i just like the two relationship i like the relationship between Jean-Luc and Guinan. Uh, very cool. Yeah, I, 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 she was always a character I really enjoyed, and especially mm-hmm. the fact that she has a history with Q, um, and there's some... We, we were discussing it up before we started recording. Mm-hmm. There's definitely something there. I know that they've, they've, they have mentioned that they've known each other for years, etc., etc., etc. We just don't know. It's never been fully explored. I think this will allow it... Maybe, yeah. ...to mm-hmm. be a bit explored a bit more, and kind of, this is going to answer... A lot of the questions that Next Generation never answered, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And, uh, it would be fun. And it is great to have Whoopi Goldberg. Famously, Whoopi Goldberg uh, went to the production of Star Trek Next Generation asking to be on the show because she got into acting because of Nichelle Nichols as a Huru. Um, that was her inspiration to go into acting. Yeah. Uh, Oscar exactly. award-winning actress uh, Whoopi Goldberg. So uh, so great to have her back in, in the show. So good stuff. Any, uh, any points, Easter eggs, notes that you guys uh, haven't talked about? No, not from me. No, nothing from me. Uh, one tiny little note from me. I just really loved um, Dr. Girardi drunk explaining her love life <laughs> to uh, to the person that's coming on to her at the uh, at the diplomatic event. I just thought it was hilarious that effectively <laughs> um, it was a bit of a miss in season one, but effectively it seemed like Girardi was the uh, the silly student that fell for her professor. Uh, tried to carry out his will and then fell for somebody else and then fell for somebody else. It felt like she was falling through her love life in not a great way in season one. So a nice little touch to have that into season two uh, for the character. I thought that was quite fun. And I think that's it. I don't, I don't want to give away the other note because I know that that's your uh, your 10 forward pub quiz question for, exactly. um, for the episode on the other, the other note I had. Um, <laughs> that's it, I suppose. What do you think overall of Star Trek Picard season two, episode one, The Stargazer? John? Yep, I love this. I thought it was a great reintroduction mm-hmm. uh, into season two. Um, I'd give it four and a half Earl Grey Coles out of five. <laughs> um, I cold. just 
I just thought it had a huge amount. You know, it started off very familiar ground mm-hmm. and it just built and built to that fantastic sequence with the Borg Queen, with Picard moving into this familiar yet unfamiliar um, place with Q there, you know, mm-hmm. one of his great um, nemesis, uh, really. And uh, I-, I loved having Guinan brought on. As you say, the shorthand, just having Rios, Jurati, Rafi, Elnor, all these people, uh, Soji as well, just all being given their moment, but ultimately th- this building really nicely um, to a really action-packed, tense, intriguing end of the first episode. I really cannot wait for um the the next episode really just wanted me to sort of move straight on to episode two so yeah four and a half earl gray colds out of five for me so four and a half out of five john that's a that's a strong start to the season yeah, it how, really was yeah how about yourself chris what did you think of the first episode of season two i i'm i'm closer to about four 3.5 mm-hmm. if i'm gonna kind of giving myself a, a score um it literally just because I could have done with a bit more Basil exposition. It's been a bit of time since we met these characters. Mm. Um, so they took a lot of shorthand, a lot of kind of direct choices. And I, I kind of understand why. It's this whole piece that I'm afraid to judge before we've seen their full vision. Mm-hmm. For like, so I'm going to kind of slowly evolve my thoughts on this as the season goes on, because I think that was some of the decisions we, some of the kind of points we made in season one, which was they started strong in certain storylines, and then some of the storylines just fizzled out, mm-hmm. took a sharp left, took a sharp right, went straight into a wall. Uh, so with this one again, I'm willing to give them the trust in that some of these storylines could be fantastic. Uh-huh. Yeah. But also, like, for example, let's say Laris. That could go straight to the end. And it literally would be the last episode he then kind of hooks up with Laris because he's learned his lesson. I'm yep. like, oh, okay, that's a, like, let's see how you progress this story. Absolutely. And I think the only piece that I could have I done with, as I say, about 10, 15 more minutes, it's streaming. They, they, they're not constrained by t- domestic TV anymore. So they could have given it an extra 10, 15 minutes, maybe even 10 minutes, just to stretch out some, some of the 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 other, the, the more important parts, like the Borg bit and some of these others, just so you get a bit more puzzle exposition. Like, <laughs> that, that kind of thing. I just wanted to understand a bit more because it's been a while since we've been in this universe. So. I still wonder, we use that a lot, and I still wonder since Austin Powers is almost, uh, what, 25 years old, I wonder... Um, should, should we, should should we retire the Basil exposition phrase and just go for exposition? That's all it is. <laughs> oh, but it's so much fun when it's, hello, I'm Basil exposition. I'm here to explain everything. Very old joke though now. We're we're quite old as well, I suppose. So, uh, exactly. But good stuff, good stuff. Uh, for me, loved this episode. Um, thought it was a great kickoff to the season. And wow, what a what a wonderful opening. You open up aboard the Stargazer with Rios uh, feeling like a real captain surrounded by a full crew. It felt like something out of the Star Trek movies and, and out of um stuff like discovery discovery yeah. really feels like 
proper strong star star trek with massive budget behind it so a great opener um having picard there with laris really really uh really good scenes with them bringing back in the emotion and heart that's always there within the picard show and then having the reintroduction of Guinan and the reintroduction of q both great reintroductions felt just like the characters walking out of the show 20 years ago loved the touch you mentioned to chris but loved the touch of having john delancey looking like his former q self yeah. is the first time Paramount have done this. Um, this is something that we see very regularly in all the Marvel shows, the Star Wars shows, and um, people being uh, actors being de-aged to play younger versions of themselves. But this is the first time uh, Paramount have done it, and I think it works really well. Um, and that, yeah, you know, it's better than casting Tom Hardy as uh, as uh, Jean Luc Picard, a younger version of him, right? <laughs> so, it's yeah. uh, so a nice little touch. But it's not only that they did it. But they also just did a great little snidey comment from Q to say, yeah. I'll make myself look like you. And they don't have to do it now. Exactly. So yeah. it's just really clever. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But really like this. really like the reintroduction of all the characters. Great to see that everybody got their moments. There was no person left out um, without a big scene uh, throughout the episode, I think. Um, so excited to see what's going to happen uh, in the next episode. Those nice little, th- those nice little tense um cliffhanger endings that i really enjoy you know that moment where you don't really know exactly what's going on but you know picard's in a bad place <laughs> he's there yes. with an omnipotent being who's been testing him for uh for three decades uh, so yeah. very interesting to see what that's going to play out next episode yes yeah. sorry and i should say very much i am very interested to see where this goes i, I like this thing i'm here for the journey i i know i was a bit more dour than both of you but no still here for season two excellent excellent we have one more piece of business to get on with, as we always do in our Star Trek Picard coverage. We are kicking off our 10 Forward pub quiz uh, for the season, the 10 Forward quiz. Uh, we will be asking a question every episode uh, throughout the season of Picard. You gather together all your answers and you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com to begin with the chance of winning some Star Trek Picard related goodies at the end of the season. Yes, definitely. Welcome fellow Trekkies and quizzes mm-hmm. to the 10 Forward Pub Quiz. Uh, yes, we're in Guinan's Bar uh, for this season. And, and for this time, we can sip or, or down a Sororian brandy <laughs> uh, like Guinan and Picard did. But, top shelf uh, for Hooch, John. Top shelf for Hooch. Top, yeah, well, it's Hooch. Yeah, mm. it's Hooch, most definitely. Um, so question one from episode one. What are the five salutations given between Picard and Laris over a glass of red wine at Chateau Picard? Excellent. I would say to our fellow Trekkies and Trekkers, as they're from multiple languages, you may need to put on your subtitles to get the spelling right. Look at you giving clues. Well, it's I know. When do we start this? I know. I've been doing that all along, especially the when things are difficult. But immediately. Yeah, subtitles are probably going to be your friend uh, <laughs> for this one. But let me just repeat the, the question. What are the five salutations given between Picard and Laris over a glass of red wine at Chateau? Picard. Excellent, excellent. Send your answers in to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Just mark them at uh, 10 Forward Pub Quiz or Pub Quiz or Star Trek Picard, whatever you want to. Uh, you can also send any thoughts that you have to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or you can join us over on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. There'll be a spoiler post up for each episode as they're released on Amazon Prime. And you can share your thoughts there. 
Yes, so we'd love to hear from you all. And if you want to hear your voice on the podcast, of course, you can head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com and record up to 90 seconds of your thoughts on the tab on the right-hand side That's of right. the screen as well. And um, Yes, so <laughs> any feedback, comments, theories, spots, you name it, uh, just send them in for our feedback section. Yes. But with that, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the end of our podcast, the end of this premiere, the end of this first episode of season two. But it's just a beginning, a beginning of our journey into the stars. If you would like to follow us on that journey, make sure you head on over to tvpodcastindustry.com and subscribe on every Starfleet or Romulan or Borg podcast catcher. We are there. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple. We're on Google. We are everywhere. So make sure you subscribe, like, and don't forget on Spotify, you can also rate us yes, on each episode. It does help with our visibility. Mm-hmm. Do you know what also helps? Heading on to patreon.com slash TV podcast industries where for a single galactic credit, one single or a bottle of Picard, Chateau Picard, if you will, you can support us with an ongoing fee. It really helps us. It keeps the lights on. The the dilithium crystals running. <laughs> See, I learned what I knew with them. I'm working here, people. Well I'm, done, Chris. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Uh and it just we really appreciate it. We really do. But if you don't want to and you want to help us with the replicator, why not head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI where for a single price of a coffee you can replicate a steaming or cold Earl Grey for our producer as he toils away into the wee hours editing the podcast for your dulcet ears. I don't know whether people have dulcet ears. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think so. I was either. going with it. I was going with it. Just keep going. Keep going. But I will admit now, I am not a fan of Earl Grey tea and I couldn't think of anything worse than Earl Grey cold. Ooh. I know. Ooh, but you see, right. this is the thing. Right. We're going to use it as an actual kind of essentially finish the podcast where we get the Earl Grey cold. There you go. There you go. Go to buymeanearlgrey.com slash TVPI um, or buy me a bottle of chateaupicard.com. There you go. That <laughs> could work TVPI. better. Maybe that'll work. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with our coverage of Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 2, Penance. We'd love to hear your feedback and we will have our next question in our 10 Forward Pub Quiz. So make sure you join us. Also out today is the boys' animated spin-off, Diabolical, a very different show possibly for a very different audience than uh, than Star Trek Picard. But we will be chatting about that later on the podcast. Bye-bye, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers. Talk to you next time. Make it so. Yeah, thank you so much, fellow Trekkies, for joining us. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep looking up. Look up. Bye. Bye.